Hey, Being at Work listeners, this is your host, Andrea Butcher. Welcome back to another episode. I love this show. I am so grateful to get to bring to life stories that are relatable, that have impact. And today's guest is someone I've known for a long time and have a ton of respect for. And when she was telling me about a pivotal moment in her career that taught her a lot about herself and her leadership, she said, I wasn't being a good steward of my career, but I was being a good parent. And I knew right then I wanted to highlight this story. Amy Haug is the Chief Human Resources Officer at Cardon. But what you really need to know about Amy is how she's made decisions that are best for the long term, but may feel irresponsible at the time. My biggest takeaway if you're guided by your priorities, it will always work out. Check it out. I'll start with when I was in, in school at Purdue because my plan at the time was to be a pharmacist and it was going swimmingly until I hit organic chemistry and said, no, I'm not a STEM girl as much as I thought. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something else and graduated with a degree in communications. Um, got a job um, through, I, I didn't plan to be in human resources, but one of my roommates had a parent that worked um, in Crawfordsville at R.R. Donnelly, and they had a need for an HR opening, and I got recommended for that role and went into it and had an absolutely amazing first experience in HR, and then learned very quickly that not having any business courses was a problem. So went back to school and, and took probably 12 or 15 hours of undergraduate business courses so that I could study at, at Butler and get my MBA there. So that was kind of my educational journey. It took me, uh, took me through that and did a little bit of work post-Purdue and really just enjoyed learning the different functional areas of HR. I loved working at the printing facility in, in Crawfordsville but didn't so much want to be in a rural area at that point in my life. My early 20s, I was like, hey, I want to be in Indianapolis. And so ended up taking a role with Thompson Consumer Electronics. I spoke enough French that with a tutor, I could be the international HR liaison. So I went into that role and got to work in the corporate HR team. So that was fun going from operations into a more corporate role and dealing with corporate programs, compensation and expat expatriate administration. And then transitioned um, to Roche, where I worked in compensation, went to, from that role, into Ernst & Young's International HR. And again, most of these changes came from, I think all of them actually, were from connections that I had. I don't want to give myself enough credit to say, oh, I had a timeline and a plan and here's what I'm going to do. It wasn't really like that. I guess I'm more free-flowing than that and, and just kind of saying, let's see where the path takes me and where my relationships that I've built along the way will kind of will lead me or will open doors that I'm interested in exploring. So I went from Roche to Ernst & Young because a gentleman that I had worked with at Ernst & Young reached out to me and said, hey, I've got an opening. We worked well together in the past. I'd love to have you on the team. So those kind of moments were the impetus for me changing from one company or role to another. If you look at my LinkedIn or my CV, it's like, wow, what the heck? <laughs> this does not make sense. But when I talk through it, it makes total sense to me. Those people that you meet along the way and the opportunities and the timing, just looking back after 30 plus years, it all fell into place and the right things happened when they needed to. 
Well, and it's it's so consistent with who you are because you are such a natural connector and relationship builder. So of course, your early journey would be as a result of who you are. It's cool to reflect back and see that, isn't it? It's really, it must be affirming for you. It is. And it's, to me, it's like, okay, I realize now and along the way, of course, like those, the, the moves that I made are because of people and not so much, oh, I want that opportunity, but, oh, I want to work with those people. Or I like, I like where that person's suggesting for me. It's been natural, but I even, what I value more is doing that for other people now, like being the connector to say, Hey, you and I were just talking about that, right? You had referred someone to me for a role on my team. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. That it's all about being connected with people that you're aligned with and being able to help others and give other people opportunities because of your network and your connections to help other people grow. It's a really good reminder to not take for granted the relationships in your life, to nurture them, to pay attention to them, because you never know when they'll come back around. Yeah. I mean, and I think I say to, you know, to my team or to my kids, even it's kind of a cool thing to be able to say the people that I've worked for are the first people I would turn to because I know they would hire me again if they had an opportunity. You don't leave in a way that closes a door, even though the timing's not always the best. There was a role that I was in back in 2012 where I worked in Miami. It was my dream job as the regional HR director. And I loved my boss, probably one of the best leaders I've ever worked for. And JP was amazing. And when I had to tell him 12 months after taking the job, oh, I'm going to leave, I was able to navigate that in a way that I was actually hired back by him several years later. But yeah, it's um, increasingly the focus of my work is fostering those relationships, maintaining them, even reconnecting with people that maybe I've gotten out of contact with over the years. I so appreciate the intentionality in each of these changes, the intentionality of how you do it. I mean, you're you're leveraging the relationship. You're being transparent. You're doing it with dignity. And I also hear in, in all of those situations that you were describing, it wasn't as if you were running away from something. You were running towards something, again, because of a connection that you had, because of someone reaching out. I think the job in Miami is probably one of the best examples because for me personally, it was a dream job. I was able to be in an environment. I'm not a big fan of the cold, admittedly. Southern Florida was was a nice place to be, and I was kind of figuring out how to make that work when somebody from Indianapolis reached out, a labor attorney reached out and said, hey, Amy, you know, there's this HR job at DePauw, and oh, by the way, isn't Owen, your oldest son, isn't he thinking about going to DePauw? And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. And so it was just such, gosh, what a what an opportunity and a blessing and a privilege to have someone connect me. I would have never known about that job. And to have had him think enough of me to reach out, I was just, um, you know, I'm really grateful that he did that and that Fast forward a couple months, it didn't take me long after talking with the folks at DePauw, I'm packing my bags and I'm on my way. And I got to enjoy an amazing experience of being with my kids on the same college campus um, as my three boys and getting to see them from afar. I was able to stay connected with them in a unique way, being on the same campus and kind of knowing their environment from a different perspective. Well, and that wasn't the first time in your career that you'd made a change because of life stuff. Go back to Ernst & Young as well. You were loving it, but because of where you were in your stage of life, 
you made an interesting change. And when I first asked you about a pivotal moment in your career, that's where you started. So tell us that story. That was earlier in life with the younger children or kids when they were a little bit younger. But I was at Ernst & Young doing international HR consulting and again, working for a boss who I was friends with and just had that great opportunity to really get to grow doing this, the international work for a big firm. And, but at the same time, I, I, when I got the call, I got the call from the CFO at Park Tudor, uh, Maria Kimsey, an amazing leader herself. She had been at Roche the same time I was there. I didn't really work directly for her, but we knew of one another. And she reached out and said, hey, I'm thinking about starting an HR department here. And I knew that it would be a good opportunity. I, at first I was like, oh, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, wait a minute, but I'm on the track. I want to be a partner at Ernst & Young. That's what I had thought. But wait a minute, I've got these little kids. I don't really know what I'm going to do with them for schooling yet because of where we were living at the time. There were, that was still up in the air. And this would really solve that whole dilemma of what are we going to do with their schooling in a way I didn't even ex I hadn't even thought, oh, we'll go to a private school. So I made the decision to kind of get off my quest to be a partner at Ernst & Young. And I went to work for an amazing leader at Park Tudor and spent the next eight years there with my kids and really getting to grow in a different way, but definitely not in a way that if I said, okay, I want to maximize my career growth, I'm going to kick it, you know, I'm going to take this thing and really be, you know, aspirationally, you know, I'm going to climb the HR ladder. That wasn't exactly the move to make, <laughs> if you want to be honest, right? Like I'm going to leave to go work at a not-for-profit in kind of a startup position that was a significant change in many ways in terms of focus. But again, it was rewarding in ways I didn't know. It was kind of the blind faith moment of, I'm sure this is going to be great. And I am just so grateful for those years and those relationships and think about, I don't know, just the tentacles of, of where having four kids is a lot. <laughs> so I had a lot of kids. So it was kind of compounded by getting to meet their friends and their friends' parents and the families and just gave me a network and foundation of support and connectivity that's been valuable to my kids, but valuable to me as well, just in terms of feeling like I'm with good people, you know, and, and this was a really good thing. I kind of equate it to like that, I don't know, those moments that we had during COVID maybe where you're reassessing, you know, I was on you know, a, a path at Ernst & Young, but I was working and it was a grind. I worked hard at Park Tudor, but it was different, right? It's different when you're starting a lower school track program, you know, or you're working with kids in an advisory capacity and talking about what they want to do for college and what they aspire to be when they grow up. It was a, not anything I would have ever charted out as a path that I wanted to take, but going back, there's no way I would have ever changed it either. So what was it that that helped you to make that pivot or help you to make that decision? That's a good question. I think some of it is my personality. I'm spontaneous. I don't mind trying new things. I don't have, I'm not at an entrepreneurial level where I would be like, there's a level of risk that you need to be able, I think, to feel comfortable with when you're an entrepreneur. I have a little risk aversion. So I feel like I was moving into positions that had security. But really, to me, my motivator was these kids. I mean, they're my kids. And my career is super important to me, but my kids are everything to me. So 
if push comes to shove and you're saying, okay, all other things are equal, if it's going to help my kids and their life experience, then that trumps everything to me. That's what will push me. And so in both those cases, it's like the real motivator is what's best for them. And clearly, yes, selfishly, I got to be around them, but it gave them access to an education and an experience that they just wouldn't have had otherwise. And in the in the situation, did you name that? Like, did you know then my motivator is my kids? Like, that's why I'm making this decision? Yeah. I mean, I think I did. Yeah. It's because it, did, it wouldn't have made sense otherwise, right? Like, why are you quitting your job at Ernst & Young? Or why are you quitting your job in Southern Florida where you're finally a regional and you finally have more responsibility at a higher level. But I think I always felt totally comfortable saying, you know what, my kids are the most important aspect of who I am and where I want to spend my time, what I think is important. Priorities to me, it's it's the kids first. Well, and it's so much easier to say no to something when you have a bigger yes. And so clearly you had that. Yeah. But I think it was interesting. I haven't really thought of it the way you said it, Andrea, when you said you weren't leaving something, you were going to something else. And I think that's been a pretty consistent pattern for me as well. I'm not leaving, I'm going too. And the pull of that, if my kids are involved in a pull situation, I'm going. <laughs> like it's not easy. It's not hard to say. It's not hard to say I'm going when it's a win for everybody involved or it's the best thing for everyone involved. Yeah. Okay. So then let's go back to Miami because fast forward a few years and you also then said like EY was a great job this working in Miami in the hotels, you were loving that. You also called that your a dream job. But then this DePauw opportunity comes back. And it's interesting, both the Park Tutor and the DePauw, both around education for your kids as well and that phase of life. There's another aspect of the story that you had shared with me that we haven't yet talked about, but it's the financial impact. I mean, going from these like big corporate roles to education, there's a financial change as well. Like that's probably Andrea where I was the least planful when I should have paid a little more attention. Although at the same time, I guess it wouldn't have mattered because it wouldn't have changed my decision. There is a significant change. Obviously education is not for profit. So it's not even the same pay scale and taking significant reductions or enjoying significant increases. I guess I've kind of settled into the mindset of you can make it work right? If you're guided by your priorities, you just make it work, right? Like, okay, we're going to cut your comp by X percentage, right? It's going to be 30% pay cut. Well, who's going to sign up for that? No one, right? You don't think about it that way. You think about the totality of the situation. Here's what you're going to gain. And to me, the financial piece of it's just something that will take care of itself. It'll fall into place. Probably a risk I wouldn't want to have to take again. But, you know, as as I progressed through my career, it's amazing to me that it all worked out. And I ended up where I aspired to be. You know, if you would have said when I graduated from, not when I, yeah, when I graduated from college and took the job in HR, what do you want to be? In 20 or 30 years, I want to be a CHRO. But, oh, my goodness, like what? I feel like Candyland or Shoots and Ladders because you move along and you're in a place you didn't plan or, or think you'd be in. But definitely the financial um, path or my progression was that was Candyland and shoots and ladders. You go where you don't think and you end up you end up winning the prize. Yeah. And so this is such an important message. Let's just pause on this for a second. 
and dive into it a bit because I know personally, I know a lot of leaders I've worked with and colleagues and friends are making decisions professionally based on based on finances. Like that's a big driver for people. And my experience has been the same as yours in that if I follow my heart, if I follow the the voice inside that is saying like this is important for you to do, it works out. It works out. And there are a lot of people who are making decisions because of the financial aspect, but just aren't happy and aren't enjoying it. And I can't imagine then that that transfers over to any goodness in other parts of their life. Yeah. I think it's tough too, because I don't know, maybe there are moments where I have, you know, where I clearly acknowledge I have the privilege of having this network. Like I was, you get off to a good start and you can build on that, but maybe others don't have that foundational start that I had. So I feel I'm grateful that I was able to leverage the people I met and that I encountered the right people. I guess I could give myself credit, maybe I sought out the right people. But some of it too, and maybe not dissimilar to you, is is there's an element of faith, right? And that I have faith that if I am guiding my decisions on things that are important to me, it'll work out. You know, the things that look like challenges, the financial, the logistical, those things that maybe you don't have a plan for, as long as you're motivated by the right things. To me, I've been able to take the approach of I'm just going to go down that path because it's going to work out. I have the faith that it'll end up where it should. And that has been your experience. So no doubt that that reinforces your faith. And I think it's also too an opportunity to say, to, to relinquish a little bit of the need to control. Like, why would you do that? Okay, in my mind, I justify I don't need to control everything. I have faith that it will work out. I have the past that's demonstrated it, it can, and I'm making my decisions, you know, again, the focal point of the decisions are based on my kids and the environment that I'm in and the people that I'm with. So you're grounded in that and the noise will naturally melt away. The thing I hear you saying, Amy, is getting really clear on what it is that's guiding you, that's important to you. Call it values, call it vision, call it faith taking the time to be still and to really think about what is my motivator? What do I want? What is most important to me? And it's also phase of life, isn't it? In those two situations you described, both the move to Park Tudor and then the move to DePaul, you had kids at stages of life that needed you in a different way than they do today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was fortunate after I left DePaul, I went back to my role in Miami and subsequently ended up in NASA in the Bahamas for several years. And talk about like at the right time, I probably never saw my boys more than when I was in NASA because I said, hey, if you guys want to come see your mom, you know, you can come on down. And wouldn't you know, they love to come visit me when I was there. So it all was definitely heavily predicated on the phase of life. They're able to independently travel. It has been a, a joy to be able to have those opportunities, not only you know, the challenge of the logistics at times, but the benefit of it at others, right? So living living offshore and being in a nice, you know, a vacation destination, it was a work challenge, but it gave my kids an opportunity to uh, to get to see a new part of the, of the world. 
So what about other people? What about people in your life? I mean, so you've talked about you getting really grounded in what's important to you, making a decision from that place. What about others give advising and guiding and saying, are you crazy, Amy? Why would you leave <laughs> Ernst & Young? Or why would you leave your dream job in Miami? And how do you navigate others' opinions? That's really interesting. I, I guess I'm a pretty, uh, you know, at my core, the child of a, a military officer. And I don't know my upbringing, maybe, or and probably partly my upbringing and partly who I am. I don't really listen a whole lot to other people. <laughs> so that's probably, that can be good or bad, right? There aren't a whole lot of people that have influenced me that way in saying, don't do it or do it. I'm pretty confident in my own. But how, how would you respond in the moment to someone who's really important in your life, even if you're not going to follow their guidance? Because you are such an open and receptive person. So, I mean, I love to hear what people are having to say. The discourse of like, here's why I think this would be a good idea, Amy. You should do this or you shouldn't do that. To me, it's intriguing to hear people that view, okay, if Amy's making a bad decision, I want to hear why they think that's the case. It doesn't mean that I'm going to necessarily be super impacted by it, but I am aware of perceptions and that's important. I like to listen. In all cases, I think that's kind of one of my leadership, I don't know, values is really listening and understanding because there's a reason that person's saying that. And a lot of times when I made job changes that didn't necessarily look to make sense, you know, I'm taking a pay cut or I'm moving to a place and how are these logistics going to work? I could understand why people would say, why are you doing that? But it didn't really matter to me a whole lot at the end of the day. But I, like it wouldn't because I valued why I was making that decision. I appreciated hearing other people's input. And it's not like I wouldn't listen. I, I think it's good to have the opportunity to, especially if you have blind spots, right? To have people help you think through blind spots. Like, what am I missing? To me, that's probably one of the biggest benefits and also being able to empathize like okay um I mean my sister's amazing right my sister is like she calls me where's Waldo you know like where's where's she gonna go next and (laughs) she is just unconditionally supportive of what I do so I think maybe it's part like the people that are around me understand me and know me enough to say hey what can I do or hey did you think of this and so maybe giving me access to blind spots but also being a safety net if I need it Oh, it's so good. This is such an important leadership lesson. And personally, it is a growth point for me. I, I Because I, I think I have confused like listening and soaking in with needing to do something with that. And what you're reminding me is, no, like I, I can listen and take on feedback and then I can choose what to do with that guidance or advice. I don't have to act on it. I don't have to be, I don't have to be so affected by what others say. I can I can listen and understand different perspectives and then make a choice that's very different based on what I believe because of my values, because of my vision. And that's okay. For me as a parent, that's probably one of the biggest, I don't know, just a, a, a really cool thing to see is to see my kids have some of that. I mean, they're just all very they're all four of them. They're very different. They're all very resilient. But it's really neat to see them kind of process some of that where they're not. I don't think any of them are very influenced by like peer pressure. 
They listen they differently. <laughs> they respond and react differently, but they're all very thoughtful and very much independent thinkers. So to me, I, I, really, I see that in them too. And some of it's, um, yeah, you know, I want to think, oh, I was a good role model, but they're their own people and they're shaped by their experiences. But it's really rewarding to see that in, in younger people, right? And young professionals in, you know, my boys are in, in, in the working world, right? They have their own careers and, and they're each navigating successfully through much of the same, right? The, you know, I feel like, oh gosh, they're at that point that I had been, my daughter, far more academically successful than I was, right? But she's also, you know, college student and navigating those conversations where you're listening but not necessarily reacting. So that's been that's been super fun. And I think as I talk to people that are either new in the workforce or emerging leaders, it's like, that's a real skill to focus in on, I think, is to not react. I guess that crosses into empathy, right? It's like you're able to listen and you're not trying to solve problems. You're trying to help them as a resource. Yeah, just be present. Well, and it goes back to what you started with. It's like knowing what's important to you. Because I think the more you're grounded in that, the more able you are to be open to other perspectives. Yeah, I think it's those things where I'm not sure or I feel insecure. I think that's where I tend to take on others' guidance more so than really listening to myself because I haven't taken the time myself to really get clear on what I believe. Yeah, and I think too for me, I get, I get energy from those around me. So the role I'm in now, I'm on an amazing leadership team, like rivaling. I've had one other that was equally strong, but this is probably, I can envision it being like, it's the reason people leave and the reason people stay, right? And it drives why I stay because you're able to learn so much from the people around you. And we have a leader that allows us to, he gives us the space to do our work and to build our relationships and our teams. And, you know, I I think about the people on my team now, the people I'm working with, you know, it's the energy of seeing them grow and continue along their path and just being part of it. Like it's exciting to, to finally be in that kind of a role. It's so fun to, to hear you say that. I had an opportunity to connect with one of your team members recently, and he was talking about your incredible leadership and all of the things you just described of your leader. He was saying of you, how empowering and encouraging and supportive and connected you are. And I often say about leaders, wherever you go, there you are. And so, you know, you are just bringing the goodness of you into your relationships with your kids, into your relationships with your colleagues, wherever you are. The relationship we've had, I just, I so appreciate your gifts, Amy. You are so good. Likewise, Andrea. I know it's been, like I said, it's been a long time since we met and we were both in very different roles. And I feel like we are both kind of in a groove. We're in places where we totally can thrive and be comfortable and and grow and impact others. And I don't think I probably, you know, looking back 20 years ago when we met, would we have thought, oh, my gosh, this is where we'll be. I know. (laughs) It's such a good reminder of the journey because all of the experiences we've had have led us to the roles that we are in today. And I think we're in the flow. We're both in positions that – Give us an opportunity to do what we love to do every single day and connect with people, lift people up, encourage people's hearts. So it's no surprise that we're both thriving and enjoying it so much. Well, I have loved this. Thank you for reminding us of the power of intentionality, of being still paying attention to what's important, 
making decisions from that place, having big faith that it works out because in your experiences, it always has. So thank you so much. If our listeners want to connect with you, Amy, what is the best place to find you? Definitely LinkedIn. It's my go-to. I am at my name, Amy, A-M-Y, Haug, H-A-U-G. Super easy to find. Yes. And thank you, Andrea. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a Being at Work story. 